Welcome to the Ralph Moore Podcast. Gain a leadership advantage as Ralph holds wisdom from his bag of over 50 years experience in planting and leading multiplying churches. Our goal is to help you live as a leader you'd want to follow. You'll learn about making disciples and planting churches, but beyond that, you'll gain practical wisdom about subjects like how to manage your team, handling difficult people, pulling a congregation off a growth plateau, and even money management. Hi, and welcome to the podcast. This is part two of my interview with Randall and Annie Kalama, starting out with their ministry in a thing called PS 150, Psalm 150, in Honolulu's Chinatown, kind of the skid row of Honolulu, which is rapidly gentrifying, how they interacted with people there, their move to working with an Apache reservation in New Mexico, and then finally their aspirational microchurch. They're getting ready to invade a bar in their town with a couple of their friends. I think you're going to really enjoy this. It started in 2010, and I think that's when we started. So, oh, so 2010, so now is 11 years. Um, yeah. That that is really really wonderful, uh, bringing the love of Jesus into the streets of of Chinatown. If you could um, do it all over, would you do anything different? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah. I love to hear that. We we prayed. Yeah, (laughs) we prayed a lot going into it, and um, we really, the Lord just put on our hearts to pray that we would have no expectations Mm -hmm. and that we knew what we were doing going into it in terms of the cost. Mm -hmm. Um, But that if we um, impacted one life, Mm -hmm. just one life, it would be worth it to us. So um, we, we learned a lot and it didn't happen the way we thought it would, Mm -hmm. but it was supposed to happen that way. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. We just uh, felt like God was calling us out there that we would go out there to love on the Lord, love on people for the Lord, Mm -hmm. uh, which he allowed us to do. And we feel so blessed to have done that, but he taught us so much. Mm -hmm. Um, We feel like we were um, directly discipled by him Mm -hmm. um, just in the experiences in um, uh, the things he showed us, what he what he revealed to us, his power, his glory, his joy. Um, we, we've, we're changed people because of it. And, you know, God called us to New Mexico and Randall has another whole story about that, but it was in a nutshell, it was, you know, he felt like God was saying, I have another adventure for you. You don't have to do it, but if you trust me, come along. And so he opened door after door, after door, after door to go. Mm -hmm. And even after um, we were there for a year and then he got diagnosed, Mm -hmm. um, we were still able to continue to minister. And um, we ended up at Mm -hmm. um, a drug and alcohol rehab center on the Apache reservation, Mm -hmm. which um, is very difficult to get onto. Mm -hmm. It was a secular program. Mm -hmm. We started by just bringing Christmas dinner one time with a group of church people Mm -hmm. and they said hey can you come back every Wednesday and so we ended that was our new church Ralph Mm -hmm. we ended going every Wednesday Mm -hmm. and um, meeting a whole new um, group of of Mm -hmm. amazing people that we could love on and Mm -hmm. would love on us too Mm -hmm. yeah that was really awesome and that was right in the middle of my cancer treatment so I had um Part of my side effects that I would get for my chemo was neuropathy in my fingers. 
And so I tried to play the guitar, you know, and it was just like the chords weren't coming out exactly right. But, you know, they didn't care. They were just, I did, God used that as well to minister to these guys that were going through this program, you know, to get um, set free from drug and alcoholism. And um, it was just a neat time. I mean, it was just, God was discipling us again through that process, you know, that, um, you know, you think of that passage when I'm weak and I'm strong in his strength, you know, and so it was like some might because it was like a good 45 minute drive from where we live to go onto this reservation one way. So it wasn't like just down the street or anything, but, um, but God was so faithful. He showed up. He brought other people that were like minded that wanted to come with us. It was just Annie and I in the beginning. And then some people from our church that we were a part of would come with us. And then, yeah, we just built relationships after these people would you know, do their three months in the program, we still stay in contact with them, like via Facebook or whatever. And just seeing how God has restored them. Like one guy, his name is Sutherland. Um, God just restored this guy. He's just like a new man, you know, like um, he's just in the corner and just paint and draw while we were singing worship and then never really was involved, you know, but eventually, um, yeah, he just got transformed his heart, you know, and um, it was powerful. And then we'd have a, at the church that we were going to had a, a celebrate recovery. Um, so they would, we invited them to come. It was on Thursday nights, but they had to get permission and everybody in the group had to agree. So they would come out on some Thursday nights to our church to celebrate recovery, you know, and be there and just sing worship with us. And the other people in our church got to meet them. And it was really, really awesome. That was just, a, yeah, just a neat time. I mean, so when you're in New Mexico for three and a half years. You're yeah. talking about the Apache Reservation, right? No, well, yeah, I mean, but we were part of a uh, another church okay. um, that had the Celebrate Recovery program. It was uh, it was called One Church, right? and that was our church home. So I want to I want to push this in a little different direction because I, what you guys don't know is I I'm you know I do this podcast all the time and I'm and I'm reaching a lot of people that are real interested in micro church and others. I wrote a book and I didn't know much when I wrote the darn book. You know, I had you guys in it. And uh, it was, I, I scummed up all of the micro churches I knew about in the world and had wrote about them in that one little book. Um, now I'm supposed to be writing another book and I just kind of don't even know how to get started. But um, so I'm going to kind of frame this a little bit because of, of what I think is out there. So, you know, as we're talking about micro churches, what you guys really did was a micro church. And I, and, and you, you to me it was it was wonderful in that some people that i know who are members of hope chapel that i'm the pastor of went off on their own and planted a church and that became your church you you weren't any longer a part of hope chapel Canary bay that's that's your church you funded it out of your pocket to do this and so what we're seeing right now is this um emergence of micro churches and, and one of the things that I've learned, I don't know if you still remember Wayne Ching, but uh, he's pastored a microchurch in Honolulu for years. He's an engineer and he would be gone as the leader. He wouldn't be there about half the, half the weekends in the year because of his job. He traveled a lot. And we were struggling. Uh, David Giomi uh, started a microchurch in Las Vegas and we didn't know what we're doing. We, we didn't want to become a denomination. Uh, this is when I was in Hope Honolulu. And so we gave David a couple thousand dollars, go hire an attorney and become a legal entity. And uh, I want to ask you if you guys did something like that or not. And, um, and, and so David comes back a year later and says, man, if you're going to 
get a 501c3 or whatever you you have to have a treasurer and and these people in my church they're so raw i wouldn't trust any of them with even ten dollars let alone make them the church treasurer and so we struggled and we ran into wayne ching and wayne told us the cool thing about microchurch is there's no cost no rent no salary it was just you know no seminary no no cost to it at all and he goes i fund the, the our microchurch out of my own pocket which means that I buy coffee and styrofoam cups and the rest of the money I give away. And he goes, so what we've done is we've, we've taught all of our people to tithe 10%, but put it in a bank account, separate bank account that belongs to Jesus. And then in Jesus name, give that money away. So everybody in, in our microchurch is a one family mission agency. And so I'm, I want to ask you guys some questions that are probably a little too personal, but I'm going to ask them anyway, um, because because like I'm in a microchurch right now. I, I've been disappointed in churches. And so a few of my friends uh, here in the mainland, we, we all live, you know, the, the nearest one to me is 500 miles away. Uh, the furthest is like 2000 miles away. We live all across the country, but we do everything through Zoom. And that's my church. I'm getting fed. Uh, We worship together. We're looking, though, for outside mission. We're old people. So there's not a, and we have some trailheads. I have a trailhead into the, to the gay community. Um, My, my wife, oddly, uh, there's a a person that we knew as a, as a young boy who now is an old woman. And uh, so my wife is, is, has got this, Facebook friendship that's going to turn into a coffee shop friendship with a transsexual person. And we're trying to figure out, you know, where do we stand with, how do we reach out to these people? Cause Jesus died for them. But one thing that old people can do is throw money at stuff. If we can't do anything else, you know, we've got our tithe. So I, I'd like you to tell me what were the startup costs? What was the rent cost and how much money did you guys put out? And, and we'll contextualize this. This was t- 10 years ago. So uh, inflation would have made it maybe um, 125% of what you spent. And it's Honolulu, which is an expensive city. But you're talking to people across the country who need to get off their rear end and go do something. And you did it. And it's not really that hard to do as, as long as you follow the Lord the way you guys did, very open-handedly. Um, what, what what would it cost if, if, if the old fogies in my micro my digit church wanted to go and say we're gonna we're gonna do this or we're gonna sponsor somebody to do this what kind of costs would we look at yeah it was was it 12 mm-hmm. yeah I think so. yeah so rent was that's what we could pay and that's what they the guy said he was willing to accept the owner. Uh, how much was that um 1200 that's what we paid in rent that's what we could pay and that's what he accepted uh, I don't know what the actual rent was because the guy was the realtor was saying it was a lot more, you know, because <laughs> it's Honolulu, it's it's a commercial space, you know, and um, and then yeah, we did. You actually helped us, Rob. I think I mean, and Rob, Rob McWilliams did. Um, we did apply for a five hundred one c three because we just thought we needed to. I don't think we knew what we were doing, so we just applied for one. But you guys helped us with that cost, and we did it through like legalzoom.com or something, you know. And it was just like, and we got that so that people could donate. Um, you know, and so um, looking back, I don't know if we needed to do that, but we did it anyway. So it, PS150 is a 501c3. So we did have to get a treasurer and make a board.
Lord. And that was all the things that were new to us. So, we, you know, you know, you run a micro church in a house or a bar or a coffee shop, you don't need a 501c3. But as soon as you rent property, you absolutely have to have a 501c3 because mm-hmm. insurance and all that. And, you know, I've discovered legal zoom in my own life recently, and uh, I've paid a lot of money to attorneys for, uh, you know, I, I, I bought a, a living trust on legal zoom and it was almost exactly, I mean, it is exactly every, every page in it matched the page that we had paid several thousand dollars to an attorney in Honolulu before we moved. And, you know, we had to update the thing, our family changed and, uh, oh my goodness, and, and legal zoom. And then you, you see, you go on the internet, you see all these attorneys knocking legal zoom and you know why. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> taking business right <laughs> that was the other funny thing was the insurance that we had to get to because we needed insurance the one required it um nobody would insure us here locally because anywhere in chinatown it was this and god provided this mainland provider that did, had, didn't know anything about chinatown. so <laughs> we got insurance through them so that was the, the hurdle you know so god opened doors for us there was hurdle after hurdle but god just opened and so we knew it was his hand that was was doing it so yeah it was it was it wasn't that bad but it was um Mm -hmm. some things that we had to yeah and our costs were minimal Mm -hmm. um you know there was some operational things that we had to purchase on a regular basis and um we do dinners once in a while too so we purchased food Mm -hmm. Uh, and we had other people that did um donate Mm -hmm. um but i think um that was the hard part for us too having the board meetings mm-hmm. um, we would have rather not had to have done that mm-hmm. and maybe maybe if, if we learned anything moving forward because our, our little church on the reservation was not in a building we mm-hmm. just went to their place mm-hmm. um, that's what we would do and that's um, probably if we learned anything that would have been it not mm-hmm. not to do the formal part but just do it wherever mm-hmm. without having any um, any ties to to those obligations but but in chinatown it does rain it does get cold you almost had to have a location and with the location comes all those other things is there anything else you guys would just i mean think about that there's there's pastors of probably not huge churches there's probably the probably the biggest person listening to me to the podcast would be maybe a church of seven or 800 people, but that's a big church. That's got money to spare. So if there's anybody out there that is either thinking a pastor, a larger church, I'd like to help people in my church start some micro churches, or, you know, I, maybe I run an auto body shop. Maybe I'm a, I'm a, a hair cutter, um, man or woman. Uh, I, I'd just like to do some ministry that's, that's reaching people that our church isn't touching. What, what kind of advice would you give to those people? I think the first is just be open to hearing his, the Lord's voice and what is, what is he calling you to do? Um, because he's created us uniquely to do something um, out in the community. It's not just inviting people to come to church, which is, which is good, but we are the church. And he's places in the community somewhere, whether it's an auto body shop or, you know, as a police officer or educator. And those people are our congregation, you know, because we're called the royal priesthood, you know, and the priest represents God to the people. 
And that's what we do when we're out in the workplace, in the marketplace, is we're representing God to the people around us, our coworkers. So ministries can be as simple as that, as taking somebody to lunch, coworkers, or starting a Bible study at your workplace, or um, ministering to your customers. Um, or it could be as um, maybe a little more complicated as like, hey, we're going to rent this space, you know, somewhere in town and just meet once a week and invite other people from our church to come and just be the church out in the community and provide a space that um, maybe not necessarily anybody from that lives on the street, you know, um, would grace the the doorway of a church building, but they might come into this nondescript uh, kind of neutral space, you know, and kind of see, and that's kind of what PS150 was. It was us like, what is this place? You know, because the, even the name of it was like, what is this? Some people thought it was public school 150, you know, if they're back from back east or whatever, but they just, what is the name about, you know, and that was a good talking point for us because it stood for Psalm 150 and it was everything that has breath, that, um, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And then, you know, as you're in there for any amount of time, you quickly find out that we're there as a, you know, as believers, as Christians. Um, so, yeah. I think to add to that, and, you know, Randall said, just uh, listen to what the Lord has to say. I mean, we had to really check our hearts. Mm-hmm. To make sure that we weren't doing this for any other reason but because god called us to do it i think if we were trying to one-up someone or if we were trying to make ourselves feel better it would have failed mm-hmm. um so it took us a while to humble ourselves and really get to the point where we said okay lord we believe this is what you're doing mm-hmm. um we are um open to doing whatever you've called us to do and we trust that you'll open doors and close doors mm-hmm. if we're if we're off track we ask you to close doors mm-hmm. And then also that, you know, sometimes God calls you to do really crazy things. Mm-hmm. You know, Ralph, we had people telling us, oh, Chinatown's not ready for you yet. Mm-hmm. Or, oh, you should take your money and save it for a mortgage. Uh, we had people telling us not to do this um, because it was different and it wasn't uh, traditional and it didn't look like church. Mm-hmm. But it was what ca- God called us to do. So God may call you to do something that is really different. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what it's going to take because... We think about Jesus, and Jesus didn't go to a building with a program, mm-hmm. with a production, and um, where people didn't talk to each other. Jesus was out in the streets, mm-hmm. and he um, was in small communities, mm-hmm. impacting lives mm-hmm. that were desperate for him. Mm-hmm. So that's what we feel like we're called to do. This morning, we were talking on our way here, and... Uh, we live in Kaneohe on the windward side of Oahu, and there's this bar that's been here forever. It's called Whitney's, but I think it just changed its name to Mojo something or other. But we were just talking at our small group last night about how can we impact the community. And one of our um, ladies in our group was like, maybe we could stand outside the bar and just meet people as they come out. And then Annie was like, what do you think about actually going into the bar? <laughs> and, and, you know, they serve food there at this bar. So it's like bar food. You know? And she's like, you know, we normally would, and in our talking as we're going home, we go out and we get Ruby Tuesdays or whatever, you know, why don't we make that a normal part of our week? Like we go and eat. I don't necessarily want to eat their bar food, but just a way as getting inroads, I'll go there and sit and eat and have a Pepsi or a Coke and, and get to know the owner, get to know the employees there, get to know the patrons next to me. And that's our church. You know, we're just, as we get to talk story with them, get to know their story and then they'll get to know us and know, like, Hey, there's something different about this guy. Oh yeah. I go to, you know, I, I love Jesus. I follow him. You know, it's like, Oh, okay. Hey, can I pray for you? Can I pray for that? You know, and it's just kind of come out in that natural conversation. And I think that's the next iteration that we're trying to see as 
how can we get out in the community and just be a part of the community? Or you're going to go and eat sometime, right? So why, why not try to eat somewhere where you would no, wouldn't normally eat at this bar? You know? And so that's kind of what the Holy Spirit has put on our heart. Just, just recently, like I said, just as last night as we're talking as a, a life group. Um, so yeah, um, stuff like that. That's That doesn't take any money or any any t- extra time it's time that you would have spent anyway going out to eat somewhere money that you would have spent anyway on yourself but now you can go eat somewhere with food that you don't necessarily want to eat but you're going to make friends mm-hmm. and if you do it consistently like every other week or every week you know um, you're going to get to know joe the guy next to you or the guy that works in the back you know the, the bartender and um, the other thing that i think is important to know is that it's messy mm-hmm. right we want to control our lives. We want to control our schedule. Mm-hmm. We don't want to have any conflict. We don't want anything out of the ordinary. So when God calls you to do something like this, you have to mm-hmm. uh, make sure you're ready to count the cost, mm-hmm. right? And that's what uh, we know we're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. So um, while it doesn't cost any money in, or any more money, and we're going to go out in anyway, it's not what we would typically do. Mm-hmm. And so we have to really pray about are we committed to doing that? Because mm-hmm. um, that means these become our new uh, family members. Mm-hmm. These become our church family. Mm-hmm. And it isn't just high and by. It's whatever it, it requires of our life. Right? So Randall and Annie, as, as, I just want to say thank you for doing this. And as we come to the end of this thing, I know there are people who are going to have questions for you. And if they wanted to contact you, is would you be comfortable giving them an email address? Is that something you could do? Sure. Yeah. So the email address is ps one five zero c town c t o w n at gmail.com. Ps one fifty c town at gmail.com. Okay, state that one more time and spell it. Yeah. PS one five zero C T O W N at gmail.com okay thanks a lot thanks for doing this if you enjoyed today's podcast be sure to subscribe and check his blog at ralphmore.net